Monday, which means we're on the heels of another award show. It's another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike, in a moment as we bring you uh, some reactions and some recap of the Critics' Choice Awards, which played this past Sunday, March 7th. Uh, Michael, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same in this race so far? 65%, yes. Yeah. 60, <laughs> 65%, 70%. Is that, is that where we left off? I think that rings a bell, yeah. It's true everywhere, uh, except for PGA, actually. That's like 90%. We're going to mm-hmm. get into that. But I think uh, the Producers Guild of America Awards uh, came out and, and kind of, I don't know, in a way they were great, but they were also terrible. And then the Critics' Choice kind of a lot of things happened that we thought would happen mm-hmm. and again they were great and then they were also terrible and <laughs> like it's just one of those award seasons right now where we're really excited about some things but we're really bummed out about others and therefore this is the tone of voice yeah strike yeah yeah I'm, I'm getting i'm getting a little blase about some of these winners <laughs> i gotta agree with you there but you know this, this is, these are award seasons that happen they're all not all gonna be last year where i'm spitting piss and vinegar and fighting until the bitter end and come out the other side as the only person who's sane and was seeing things clearly but that's okay we'll talk about what happened this year <laughs> i'm not letting that go uh the critics choice awards like you said some highs some lows you 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 want to convince me there was good on the program last night? I, I didn't see a lot of it, but I really had a lot of laughs in like one <laughs> seven to eight minute period. Okay, no, it really was funny when the Ted Lasso speeches were happening. Jason Sudeikis, he must have. You know, went to my grandfather's yard sale and bought his hat. <laughs> like one of the highs that you're starting off with is man wore hat. It was 1940s <laughs> golfer hat that my grandfather always used to wear. That I think he wore when he was like a newsboy. He's like, get your papers here, your papers. Yeah. I think that's the same hat. Uh, but he was wearing it over a Golden State Warriors hoodie, what I think was a Golden State Warriors hoodie because it had the bright blue and the bright yellow. And he's out in California, and he had this. God forgive me if it's it wasn't intentional, but he had this choppily groomed mustache. I just thought the whole getup was hilarious, and he actually wrote a joke into each one of his speeches. But I, I just I was delighted by the three Ted Lasso speeches in that you know whatever fifteen minute period, seven and a half minute period, whatever that was. It was a blur. It was I was having fun, so it went by fast. And uh, of course, Hannah Waddingham. Yes, that was She's a good speech. Just screaming uh, throughout that speech. Just, I just, I thought it was so funny to watch her do that, and then the, the so it was exhilarating because she was so happy, uh, and then she put her, you know, toes on the camera at the end. I was just, it was adorable. It was fun. Ted Lasso had a big night overall too, even being the first time it usurped best comedy series from Schitt's Creek. That's been winning uh, that category at pretty much every award show, uh, Emmys included, and Ted Lasso ends up winning it at the Critics choice last night i was shocked that annie murphy didn't come out of this show with a win either i mean dan levy looked like he was strong going in and yeah he came out with an award 
Catherine O'Hare comes out with an award. Annie Murphy loses to Hannah Waddingham there from Ted Lasso. It felt like a year early, but she is so good in it. And Sudeikis is so good in it. And it was just kind of irresistible to these critics as well as. I also appreciate Jason Sudeikis' approach to these Zoom award shows that everyone's going to (laughs) dress up and like pretend they're all. And he's just, I mean, he's rocking a hoodie and he looks like he's fresh off his latest bowl, man, of whatever he's smoking. His opening line of his speech was, ah, well, where do I begin? And more importantly, where do I end? And then he went. <laughs> that guy, that was good. I agree. That That's right. He made me laugh in each of the speeches, and he also made me like laugh extra because he backtracked and had to thank his wife and family in the second speech. So he's lucky he won the second award because it was very clear that he forgot to thank them in the first speech. <laughs> so that was that was a good save by him mm-hmm. for making a great TV show and accepting that second award for best comedy series. But Mike Schitt's Creek, you're right. Schitt's Creek was expected. To, to do a, per, perhaps a little better at this show, but only Catherine O'Hara and Dan Levy. And Catherine O'Hara, though, I think she had to make up for what she did last week out of the, uh, what would you call it, out of the soup can? Yeah, her husband at least certainly did, and it was a better bit by both of them this time than what they tried to do at the Globes. I was I was dying because he, he immediately, she just lays the biggest smooch in the world <laughs> on him when she wins. And it's just like this prologue kiss. And it, I just thought it was, it, that's funny in itself because it's, mm-hmm. they're going for it. But then he comes off and he's got this lipstick schmear just <laughs> askew over his mouth. And he just sits there with this happy look on his face the whole time where she's got, of course, like she does in every movie, those cult follower eyes. Mm-hmm. Those cold follower <laughs> Irish eyes. I just thought it's hilarious that she delivers the whole speech, and then she gave him a chance to speak at the end, and he wouldn't do it. It was just, mm-hmm. it was just perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like he's Twitter painted the whole time. It was great. I, I do agree. There were uh, some highlights to be had at the the Critics' Choice overall. Uh, some surprises. Most of the surprises for me came on the TV show uh, side of things, not less so the film side of things. But we'll get into the uh, the film awards portion later on in just a moment here. As far as the lowlights, was this show written and recorded the day of before it went live on air? I think so. I think it was an improv exercise <laughs> Tay for Diggs. all the dads in the uh, the dad joke writer's room. I mean, he's the king of cringeworthy monologue. I can't remember watching a Critics' Choice Ward show the last few years that he's hosted and like not having the one moment where I went, and that was it for the entire, like, that was my intake of enjoyment. for the, It's the same, there were these bad dad jokes. It was like listening to us for three hours. It was but like it was, listening to us for three hours. The it was occupied and backed up by these like, oh, my kid got to the filter on my Zoom and I don't know how to undo it. So now I'm a banana. That was month one of quarantine. And it was silly, happy fun in month one of quarantine. But the the fact that it's on like a Geico commercial now right shouldn't right. be what you know your your main go to gag at the center of your critics choice awards when you only have one or two or three at most skits 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 whatever I called it to go <laughs> you know, you don't have a lot of opportunities to just go for laps right. And- they did not make use of them. Let's just say. The, the, and the opportunities to go for laughs just it did did not land for me. And then they backed that up with this canned pre-recorded laugh track, like you're watching a sitcom in the late '80s, early '90s. Mm. And never mind the technical difficulties we had to sit through. I mean, the show starts off with Tay Diggs interviewing Jillian Anderson for no reason. I mean, for whatever reason, he was like, "And we have Jillian Anderson here to start the Critics' Choice Awards." Yeah, why did they go all the way to Prague for that interview? Like. <laughs> Like, look, I mean, 
the, Daniel Kaluuya starts speaking immediately. It was already an improvement when we he went right. support, supporting actor. But I'm guessing he was closer. Was he out in California? Was he in New York or whatever? London, maybe they had a better they had a better connection. But Prague, she was just you know, it was it was like it a was bug so it was bad. Terrible. It was, and, and, and I don't know. Like I refuse to believe the HFPA are the creme de la creme with figuring out technological innovation when it comes to presenting yeah, an NBC, award show. Yeah, no, they're in the back of a uh, French McDonald's, but they, <laughs> no, NBC knows what they're doing. That's why so I was NBC, like, you're giving NBC all the credit? I'm giving and, NBC uh, the credit there. But whatever this station was <laughs> we watched on, they couldn't get it right. It was it was just laughably bad. It was There were technological problems all night long. All night long. And I almost wonder if the producers on the show or the people in the truck, if they were watching the... Uh, Oprah interview at the time instead of the Critics' Choice. Because I, I guess that's what the Crown people were doing. Like, no producer on the Crown. None of the creators on the Crown. I mean, Emma Corrin and Jillian uh, Anderson were there, but nobody else, including, we're going to go into it, Olivia Coleman. Yeah, and I couldn't help but notice that, like, Sunday night, I'm sitting down, the, the Oprah interview with Meghan and, and Harry is on, and the uh, AEW's having a big pay-per-view with an exploding barbed wire death match, and I'm here watching Tay Diggs give dad jokes on the Critics' <laughs> Choice Award with bad Zoom call technology. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the best uh, award show of the season. Hopefully it, it's the worst. Those were some of the worst written bits I've ever seen. They're, 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 yeah, show. no, it was awful. It was awful. It was awful. I mean, the number, like the number of tweets that I almost hit send on. Yeah, is probably I'm the much same, and I'm, I don't mean like I. I know we don't like talking. It's noteworthy how remarkably bad. I guess props to the Golden Globes for having that two coast bi coastal host situation working yeah. out so seamlessly with what they did, and this just shows how difficult that is to pull off. But no, you're right. Boy, God, was this difficult to pull off. God damns them all to hell for those jokes last night. <laughs> It was truly, truly pathetic and terrible and, and cringeworthy. Uh, but look, I'm on the TV side. You said it. Ted Lasso, big winner on the uh, on the comedy uh, section. We had uh, the crown four of five possible awards. Mm-hmm. We had the Queen's Gambit uh, in the limited series uh, side of things. And, and, and we expected those, I guess. Yes. Uh, are you curious to watch something on the TV side? I know I'm kind of curious to, to to dive into to one of those rewatches, but definitely like Ted Lasso's really, I don't know about you. I, I, I may just watch that again. I finished it recently. I started it a while ago and just finished it recently. It was, it was great. I mean, it's really, I don't know how you cannot like that show. If you yeah, watch it, how white are we? If we rewatch one of those three shows again, oh. we just, we just lean into the whiteness. <laughs> the white. Do we just start pronouncing white, like white, like <laughs> white bread? The absolute whitest, I agree. Uh, I haven't watched uh, most of Shit's Creek. I still have that to get through, so maybe I'll do that. But yeah, I'm not going to rewatch these movies and just hate where we are in the Oscars race instead for the next couple of months, I think, because it's getting to that point, Mike. Yes, yes. We uh, have that built into the uh, program, and it will <laughs> drive us up a wall. But mm-hmm. listen, we uh, before we can confirm our... our some of our hatred let's uh talk about it with these pga nominations and uh with this 10 and with the animated and and we'll eventually get to the docs we want to talk through the critics choice awards so we're going to go film by film today mike kind of to mirror our critics choice preview i think that's kind of unique not a lot of other shows are doing this uh so we're going to go film by film but first 
we got a few Producers Guild of America award stats for the people. Yeah, and if you've listened to us for any length of time, you know the uh, the correlation and crossover between PGA Best Picture categories and their success at the Oscars. Eventually, here are the stats to back that up. Of the last 10 years of the Producers Guild Award, uh, the crossover stats with the Oscars, eight of the last 10 Best Picture winners were shared between PGA winner and Oscar winner, seven of the last 10 Best Animated Features, and only three of the last 10 Documentary Feature Oscars first showed up as winners at the PGA. That should surprise nobody. So I was blaming a couple of the documentary precursors for kind of getting our hopes up for mm-hmm. the Won't You Be My Neighbors and the right. Janes, etc. It's the PGA's fault for a lot of these same movies. Like Apollo 11 won a PGA, by it's the, the way. O- what do you, wait, wait, wait. It's the Oscars' fault. <laughs> it's the no. Academy's fault. Yes. Those were correct. good, awards-worthy documentaries we got excited for. <laughs> yeah, but if they, if these other award shows had worse taste... If you didn't pile shit on them first, if you had piled shit on them first, we wouldn't have gotten excited, is what you're saying. All right, so it's my fault. Right. I, I'll, just, I'll just accept it. All right, look, as for nominations... 80 of the last 88, that's 8-0 slash 88, uh, Best Picture noms were nominated first at the PGA. That is a whopping 90%, well above the 65% threshold that yeah. other shows And like. I'm willing to say that's a similar number if you go for yeah, as far back in time with the PGAs. They've always done pretty well correlating to Oscars' Best Picture success. They have an advantage built in. They have mm-hmm. at least 10 noms in every year. They actually had one year with 11 noms, unless I miscounted, which is possible, but I don't think so. But they had 101 noms to get those 80 in the crossover of, of the last 10 years. And, and you know, look, if people are curious, six of the last 10 years, there were nine Best Picture Oscar noms, three Three years, we had eight Best Picture noms, and only one year back in 2010, we had 10 Best Picture noms, so 88 total Best Picture noms there. So, okay, we're talking the PGA noms for the Daryl Zanuck Award for Outstanding Producer of Theatrical Motion Pictures, so here are your 10 Best Picture noms according to the PGA. I'm going to start with the most egregious one, (laughs) Borat's subsequent movie film. (laughs) I don't it care that it's happy. first alphabetically. No, it's uh, first most egregiously. Terrible and and great. Here we go. All right. Judas and the Black Messiah, mm-hmm. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank Minari, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and of course, The Trial of Chicago 7 is here as well. All right. So we're going to go film by film. We got to start with the big winner at Critics' Choice in Nomadland. And that is the big winner. Nomadland was the winner of the Critics' Choice Best Picture, as it was Best Picture Drama at the Globes the Globes the week prior. Chloe Zhao continues her reign of terror or success, or however you want to call it. That seems to be a runaway now for her as she again wins Best Director. Maybe a surprise, Chloe Zhao also won Best Adapted Screenplay, and Nomadland won Best Cinematography, that going to Joshua James Richards. Is it a reign of terror just like on David Fincher, who's just drunk every Sunday night now? He, I, I'm glad he's mean? keeping that up, yeah. Yes, but it's a think a reign of terror for uh, look uh, go back two months ago I think we thought this might be more of an open race I mean Christ we were on chasing the gold with uh, Ryan McQuaid we had him on our show and we were talking that we felt like Fincher would eventually be the front runner that has never come to be no she's running away she's crushing it more than uh, Cuaron did mm-hmm. quite frankly for yep. Roma I mean it's just just been dominant and it's so dominant that actually that second award makes a little sense. The adapted screenplay for Chloe yeah. as well. So 
it's it's got some coattails but but look i mean 14 of the last 25 critics choice best picture winners have gone on to win the oscar that is only 56 percent of a crossover and it's not great in the last few years mike it's two out of the last five it's five out of the last ten so this is an interesting scenario here with nomadland we have an extra long award season we were wondering at the beginning of this thing does the extra long calendar allow for consensus to build and to form or does it allow people to get bored with the quote unquote front runners once they once they kind of form so i think people are are choosing a quote unquote safe pick an artistic pick that everybody seems to be getting behind thus far what do you think of the overall reception from film twitter from everywhere on nomadland uh well I, firstly i'll say i was dead wrong i thought people would get sick of nomadland as a as a front runner i didn't think it was the type of film that could be a wire to wire front runner in best picture i think when the director category is such a runaway it does a lot for a film's best picture chances if a film's already in the upper echelon of the best picture category hmm. and by that i mean look no you don't have to look any further past than what guillermo del toro and shape of water did for each other in 2017 i mean this is the exact except that game, The Shape of Water didn't win Best Picture at the Globes. Nomadland is basically doing the Shape of Water blueprint to excess and to success on every show so far. It looks like because Chloe Zhao is such a runaway and director, it's helping, I think, its chances in Best Picture. And now it's a back-to-back Best Picture winner at two of the major precursors. I would be surprised if it's not doesn't have a strong showing by the time BAFTA noms are out as well. It overperformed... Uh, with the HFPA for sure. So we figured it would do well here. We weren't quite sure if it was going to come with the three or four wins on the night. It definitely confirmed uh, its strength with going four out of six overall. I think we knew it would do well. I think the fact that it did so well, I mean, we talked about in the last episode, Mike, the Critics' Choice has been spreading things around of late, but this is closer to that Slumdog Millionaire 5 out of 6 play from uh, 2008 or 2009, whatever year that was. So this is looking the part thus far. The question becomes, in the 14th month season, do people get bored with it? Does something weird happen? Something wonky happen? But right now it's looking the part. Got to be the betting favorite, I would think, in the PGAs right now, and that as we just went over with the stats, that branch, and uh, that's going to tell you kind of where the winds are blowing when it comes to Oscar Sunday as well. But I expect it to be the front runner right now with good reason. All right. So Chloe Zhao won director. We also have cinematography and adapted screenplay going for Nomadland. We talked about cinematography was going to start to pop up this week. I mean, Nomadland was leading in the critics awards, But adapted screenplay is the interesting win here. I am wondering if the Oscar puzzle theory will eventually take over and this goes towards someone like a Kemp Powers for One Night in Miami because we do have that natural gap in the Nomadland adapted screenplay resume with the WGA because it was not eligible there. So we're going to get something uh, different at that last-minute precursor. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, Nomadland could keep winning so this is going to be fascinating to watch will they have that built-in stumble at the end will that uh, cause some doubt in adapted screenplay or anywhere on the card for nomadland at the end is nomadland that much better than every other film that it's going to win three of the big six in this film i, I can't 
man, it doesn't feel, feel like that type of movie to me. And so, so I tend to agree with you, but if you look at the adapted screenplay category at large, what's its biggest competition? The Father hasn't really made any headways. I, I agree with you, it probably would be uh, One Night in Miami. We're going to have a lot to talk about with a special guest on that episode, but One Night in Miami is taken right from Kemp Powers' play. You have a lot of credit going to August Wilson from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mike. We talked about that before, so... You're right. The other contenders don't necessarily have the high degree of difficulty trapeze act that uh, Chloe Zha pulled off by basically rewriting that whole story and, mm-hmm. and creating the Fern character, the composite of all the nomads that the book was based on. So, yeah, I do think I do think that that writer's branch, and I said it back in September, this was going to be catnip to them, this kind of script, this kind of feat and, 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 and show of strength on the page. So that makes sense to me. I just, I figured, you know, maybe if maybe director wouldn't become what it's become. The fact that she's running away in director so much, I thought adapted screenplay by, might open up, but no, this is looking like an old fashioned ass whooping Mike yep. thus far. And Nomadland no. is, 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 is doing it. Director's over. Uh, I, I don't see how this could be anything but a closed book right now. And when director's over, usually other success follows. Look at Roma, look at The Shape of Water, look at the other past recent uh, years in which the director has been a sweep and a runaway. It's it's only buoyed and lifted up the uh, performance of the film that the directoring award is going to at the Oscars at large. I expect more of the same. All right. The next big movie to talk about here, Mike, is the biggest surprise on this PGA list. And that's Borat's subsequent movie film. Yeah, which, so let it be known, the PGA thinks one of the 10 best films of the year isn't even the Critics' Choice best comedy pick. It lost to Palm Springs on Critics' Choice Sunday. Uh, but Maria Bakalova did win Best Supporting Actress at the Critics' Choice, which, I, okay, Palm Springs winning Best Comedy and Bakalova still winning Supporting Actress kind of felt like a Puzzles Theory idea to me let's spread out the love mm-hmm. it seemed like the hfpa had cooled on borat maybe the critics were kind of taking the lead from that a page out of their book let's give back a over her win because a lot of people were happy were happy to see that and we're pushing for that clearly but let's back off borat is calling it one of the best films of the year we won't even call it the best comedy and now that's been all thrown in an upheaval the pga comes out and names it one of the 10 best films of the year uh, this is egregious to me so this is a tough pill for us to swallow because we wanted other movies here for sure, like like Soul coming into the day. I didn't expect Soul to be there because no, it hasn't I, happened. Right, and I understand know, the years. PGA's history with, with animated films. I get that. But mm-hmm. I, I, can somebody explain the case on how a shot-for-shot basis, a merit-for-merit basis... You could say it's a better, a funnier movie. You could say there's a, a more daring aspect to it, but all of that is enough to call it an overall better movie than Soul? Come no, on. I don't think so. It's just Soul can win elsewhere. Soul has its own category, which, uh, like Roma, had its own category. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost got to be above and beyond undeniable yeah, that you want to shower with. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows you the power of Parasite last year, the things that it right. had to overcome in winning Best Picture. And of Chloe Zhao's film right now with Nomadland. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the fact that they want to shower it with awards uh, just means a lot. But look, I mean, Palm Springs keeps showing up. I mean, WGA, Golden Globes nominee, couple spots, Andy Samberg, couple spots at the Globes uh, for nominations. And here it wins Best Comedy. That was a nice moment, a nice uh, uh, acceptance speech Good from speech Andy too, yeah. Samberg. Uh, but, yeah, it's back to supporting actress, though, which I think was 
the one of the biggest surprises on the night with Maria Bakalova because we figured that she had lost momentum after she had kind of a layup uh, category there in Best Lead Actress Comedy or Musical at the Globes, thinking that she would she would beat the field. But we had a surprise from Ike Carolot and Rosamund Pike take it. So Ya Jung Yoon had the critic scoreboard lead. Mm-hmm. So that's a costly loss for her from Minari, I think. And Coleman and Close, you figured maybe they're duking it out. Uh, maybe Siegfried's getting some votes there as well. Maybe there's some legacy votes for Bernston. Maybe it's a tight category on the day, and it, it came down to only a few votes. But the fact that Bakalova comes out front and Foster came out at other globes i mean we really might be in for a different winner throughout this season each yeah time. could be could be a different winner at every major precursor uh it seems like coleman and close and seafried for that matter have lost a ton of momentum uh you haven't really heard you had a lot of reason to be high on them and their chances in this category coleman is really shocking to me because even though we still haven't seen the father all you heard a couple months ago when people first saw the initial screenings of it was that this category was hers to lose and it would be a runaway for her and hopkins yeah. would is back and it's undeniable and blah 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 so I mean, she didn't she no show the critics choice totally last night which shocked me because we have a history of noticing people who no show that award show specifically and just they you that means usually means they know they aren't going to win except that last night on the tv side the crown no showed and they kept winning things so okay um it's going to be fascinating to see what the sags do with this category i think what does the screen actors guild how do they view maria bakalova's performance from borat too because it is it is not your typical SAG nomination, period, end of story. I mean, you have four typical acting performances. What does the acting community think of the improv comic right. masterpiece uh, under high stakes, under real stakes, you know, getting national news? I mean, do they do they give it more points? Just the fact that it's nominated probably is a show of support for Maria Bakalova. But they have four other options with uh, two – Really, three legacy picks and a wunderkind performance with Helena Zangle. But Coleman Close, uh, Yoon Ya Jung, they're all there. And then uh, and Zangle. So it, it might be another close vote at the SAGs. But we're not going to see Bakalova sh- have a showdown with Jodie Foster until... I mean, I'm guessing Jodie Foster for the Mauritanian, which I think is a British production, is going to be BAFTA nominated. Maybe I'm wrong by the time you're listening to this. And she's not there, which would really shock me. But... Anyway, I saw the Mauritania. I thought Jodie Foster was very good in it. I thought she was kind of, you know, something that reminded me of uh, of uh, last year's winner there uh, from Marriage Story. Mike, help me, Laura Dern. Laura Dern, good God, yeah. So, but it was it was kind of a subdued performance where she had a couple scenes where she's, you know, white knuckling it because she's in a courtroom or because she's talking to Taharahim, who had just an incredible performance in that film. But obviously, Bakalova made the headlines. She's got momentum for Borat 2 now, winning major precursor awards, right? Borat 2 won comedy at the Globes? Yes, it won best comedy. It won uh, comedy musical best picture at the Globes. This is two weeks in a row where Borat 2 has some major momentum for it. And I thought it won Best Ensemble last night because I saw Sasha Baron Cohen giving the acceptance speech. And I was like, wait a minute. No, that's a different movie. Um, what if he still the SAGs a are interesting from Borat? Like, <laughs> right. The SAGs are interesting to me for the reasons you said. And also, I mean, two weeks ago it was Glenn Close's time and that felt inevitable, right? Are they going to go to the young 
kid that has the momentum? Are they going to, they don't have to worry about what the Golden Globes did. So is that acting branch going to be focused on the veteran performance? And if, if it is going to be focused on the veteran performance, you said the names that are there. Coleman, I feel like I always felt was going to get the short end of the stick, regardless of how good her performance was, just because I couldn't imagine there being a scenario where she beats out Glenn Close again um, once these noms were announced for side. But if you want to go with a veteran, there's Glenn Close, there's Yu Jung Yoon, uh, Elena Zangle is in the SAGs. We haven't heard a lot about her, but she did win. Uh, she got upset last night by Alan Kim for best... Uh, and that hurts it? her. Young that, performance or breakthrough performance? Yeah, yeah. best young actor or actress. I, I thought that hurt Helena Zangle last night. I thought she, uh, she, she was put in that category kind of to win after... I mean, she was going to be in that category regardless, but the fact that she didn't get double nominated, she could have held serve last night. Uh, for a worthy performance, I mean, don't get me. Alan Kim's great in Minari. We we praised him when we reviewed the movie. Uh, but I, I was surprised Helena Zangles in that whole film, News of the World, and Alan Kim's in. Yeah, you know, well, you know, I shouldn't I shouldn't make the screen time argument. But if screen time argument is to be made, Helena Zangles got more screen time. She's got more challenging scenes, I right. would say, in News of the World. So I, I guess the, the argument's got to take that shape in that way. But yeah, supporting actress. Look, I mean, Bakalova could win at SAG, and I do think if she does, obviously she's taking taking the lead there, and we we should expect her there going forward. But I mean, anything can happen, Mike. At BAFTA, I think it's a wide open race. Scott Feinberg tweeted last night on the heels of Bakalova being announced as the winner. Fun fact, you have to go back 13 years to find the last time the Best Supporting Actress Critics' Choice winner did not win the Oscar or win as an I Oscar. As I said, Mike, as I said, this race is over <laughs> and Supporting Actress is in Maria Bakalova's There you uh, go. Case. Sewn up. Yeah, she's got it. Sewn up and done. No, I, look, I think, uh, you know, these... These things happen all the time, and they're broken. These records, these streaks, they're broken. This is such a strange year, and especially if SAG goes opposite of, of, of what just happened. I mean, can you imagine if Glenn Close wins SAG? I wouldn't count her out right now, man. <laughs> Olivia Coleman as a late breaker, and then and then there's backlash to Olivia Coleman beating Glenn Close again, and yeah. we wonder if she'll beat Glenn Close again. Reminds me a little bit. You corrected me, but I remember there being kind of mayhem a couple years ago in the sporting actress race where regina king when the uh, when the betting odds came out people were so unsure because regina king had won a lot but was left off the bafta card completely that that caused enough upheaval where people weren't sure what was actually going to happen oscar sunday until she ended up winning of course right it kind of came back to her in that race but yeah we've had we're coming off a year where we had four sweeps (laughs) so anything different than that we're all freaking the hell out, and everybody was freaking out on, on film Twitter. So this is much different than four sweeps right now with uh, with these bo- with both of these actress categories. We'll get to Kerry Mulligan down the card. Let's backtrack to Soul here real quick. PGA feature snub Michael. We're very upset about this. We thought Soul had some extra momentum. We thought in a year like this one, after it seems especially to be yeah materializing as the best original score front runner yep sweeping after the globes after the troy uh, choice awards last night uh for trent reznor atticus ross john batiste after it seems to be sweeping an animated feature getting a ton of any noms uh, earlier in the week winning the first critics choice super awards animated feature winning the globe nbr and afi i was just like researching its resume this morning it got both of those and guess yep. what percentage crossover afi has i didn't do nbr but afi 
around 70 percent there you go <laughs> but look pga award uh, award nominations for best animated feature did come out i do want to get uh, to those here i think i think we have our fifth spot back in order mike you think over the moon's got it huh well, I just think now the re- now the resumes stack up towards Over the Moon because the Croods and New Age, Onward, Soul, Wolfwalkers, we talked about in the last episode, those four seem like they had their spots based on the resume. Over mm-hmm. the Moon had a bad day at the Annies, and now Over the Moon gets the PGA Award nomination in that five. Um, God, I'm just so I'm deflated about what happened with Soul. I, I agree. As far as the animated feature slot, we did have a little back and forth about what we think that fifth slot's going to be. Yeah, I think that it makes sense. It comes back to Over the Moon. Either well, way, I feel like it's going to be a Netflix film. But though. we were texting each other this morning. And we were like, Soul might do it. Like, that yeah. was the big foam finger in the air between you and I. I was getting excited. You were getting excited. I didn't want to tweet to some people. Then I started tweeting to other people because I couldn't help myself. And I was, <laughs> I was like, all right, we got to get the Soul, you know, uh, karma going and you know it, yeah it, I, I didn't expect it but at the same time in my brain I started to make that argument again and and uh, it, it didn't come through but just, all right uh, we, just not a not a not as good as movie as Borat 2 I guess unfortunately Michael the trial <laughs> to Chicago 7 will be the third movie we talked about it won two of its six critics choice awards including best ensemble and there was a tie for best editing that went to trial to Chicago 7 as well as sound of metal okay so six of the last 19 Critics' Choice uh, winners for Best Ensemble, Mike, have gone on to win Best Picture. That's similar to a stat you did last week where Mm -hmm. the Choice winners, how many times they have lined up. So this is a bad crossover. This is not something that uh, you want to really reference all that often. But Chicago 7, if you look at this award season in the overall, has now won back-to-back composition awards, I guess you could say. Aaron Sorkin won original screenplay at the Globes. There was a feisty category, only five, one screenplay category there. Here it wins Best Ensemble. People are talking about it as the ensemble favorite at the SAGs. What did you think of Trials Hall on the Night? I'm surprised it hasn't had its moment as the picture. I'm I said going into the Critics' Choice, it felt like I saw a lot of critics feeling the way about Chicago 7 for the most part that we felt and that it's the easy pick, maybe the lazy pick. So in an award show that's done by critics, again, I feel feel like I'm talking so negatively about it. It's not a bad movie by any stretch, but it's just not the best picture. But in an award show that was voted on by critics, I felt like it probably wouldn't walk away with best picture. So I'm not all that surprised best ensemble has kind of been the critics choices. It's like you said, it's a stat we did last episode going into the critics choice. It's kind of been their consulary prize for the movie Mm -hmm. that doesn't end up winning their best picture. Again, I'm not all that surprised to see that in how it plays out here, but I would think that it's best picture chances were hurt yet again as a result of this award show. So, Here's where it helped itself, though, and it's due to Sasha Baron Cohen because I think he's been giving great speeches. He was funny at the Globes with the whole Giuliani thing for Borat 2, and I loved that he actually got serious with this speech and he gave that hammer spot because he didn't talk about the Chicago 7. He talked about the Chicago 8. Yeah. He talked about Bobby Seale here. At least he finished with, with Bobby Seale's name at the end of that. And I thought that was the right thing to do. I thought if he does more things like that, that's the proper way to handle it. Just the, I mean, the movie handles it that way. The movie handles Bobby Seale's story with reverence in that in those two scenes in the center of it. So... I, I, that that's probably a 
you know, that's the classy thing to do, let's just say. So I think he's he's really knocking these uh, speeches out of the park. And he, he seems very natural in the virtual environment as well. I mean, he seems like he's comfortable and he's just nailing these speeches. I would have Sasha Baron Cohen give a speech for everything. He just seems natural in front of a camera, period. He's great. Right. So, yeah. yeah, no, he's there's nothing, nothing shakes this man after right. what he's been through. But let's talk about Sound of Metal, though, Mike, because Sound of Metal tying in editing when we didn't think it had that editing nomination necessarily sewn up. That is a big, big win, a big share of that award for Mikkel E.G. Nielsen and Sound of Metal. And that is a composition award. There is a crossover. Sound of Metal went one for five on the night after doing very well in the critic circles overall, especially for Riz Ahmed, uh, especially for an actor and supporting actor with Paul Racy. Now it has lost that momentum in these precursor shows thus far, but this is this is a little sign of life from Sound of Metal, and it got the PGA nom this morning. And and good for it. And I think this, uh, for some reason, the longer we've done this, the more I get like these flashbacks to other moments. And this Sound of Metal has become like Ford v Ferrari for me. Like I fully expect it to be a Best Picture nominee at the end of the day. And maybe even, I think it should win Best Sound. Uh, but who knows what's going to happen with that branch. But I, I, it, it feels like it's going to have those two, three, four nomination night end up in Best Picture. And it deserves to be there, I think. It's probably going to be one of those four, five, maybe six nominations at the Oscars. And yeah, I mean, original screenplay, it lost at this show. But it's also it also showed strength in the shortlist, right? Getting getting the uh, original song shortlist nomination there. So uh, yeah, Sound of Metal has shown up everywhere. We just went over in our, in our revisit. We just went over its resume. So having a, a strong award season overall and Amazon showing us uh, what it can do. For, for mm. its movies, it has one, not, not just one, but two. But anyway, Mike, we're going to get into one night in a few minutes. But let's talk about Minari. Minari yeah. was a film where we had a lot of questions going into the night because of its 10 nominations. And it does end up winning two Critics' Choice Awards on the night, going two for 10. It won Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, which it also did at the Globes, obviously. And best young actor with uh, Alan S. Kim there. All right, did Minari hold serve, as I kind of postulated last epi- episode? I think that's a word, right? But look, <laughs> I would have predicted Ya Jung Yoon instead of Alan Kim because Helena Zangle kind of loomed over that category necessarily. Yeah. But I'm I'm surprised that Kim won had that moment again minari's making the most of its moments and, and people loved that uh, that poor little kid Jesus got overwhelmed Christ and he almighty. cried and and everybody in the world not a soul not a soul <laughs> watched that and and was upset by it or was i turned off my television <laughs> i what does that <laughs> eight-year-old boy <laughs> yeah but, 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 but why is this happening are you like the little league dad who just is like, now you need to hit There's every no pitch. crying in baseball. This is you last night. This is you. How are you? You're a monster. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I am a monster. I really, I look, why <laughs> does any, I, I feel bad saying this on a live mic, oh, and not in a bet, private well, text. Good. good. Why, what does any eight year old need to be overcome with emotion about what life experience? He's not doing I might as well the... just go full heel. What oh, life might... experience does this kid have to know the gravity of the situation he's in? 
You're you're absolutely out of control. You're out of control. You're a villain. No, Mike, he he lost control. I'm great with like, kids, by the way. <laughs> I thought he started and he was re- like he was really happy and then as he started to thank like look, he started look, to thank people and he look, was overcome. Look, upon reflection, I may have overreacted last night, okay? I'm willing to say that. I, I in a vacuum I, I I realize it's not even a problem with 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 Alan Kim and the way he reacted. My problem was with the fucking people your childhood like, ripping and... over themselves. <laughs> this is adorable. It you was know, ador- shit. Right. It was adorable, and the praise was yeah. The praise was out there on film Twitter for all the seas. Again, it's just you. The lesson, heel. as always, Mike, is I need to stay off Twitter. That's the lesson. That's the lesson from every episode we've ever recorded. I think that is a lesson. Uh, <laughs> Maybe some words of wisdom. But later. all okay. right, to, Minari. To, to answer your question, did Minari yeah. hold serve? I was. I don't know if this is Minari holding serve. I really don't. I kind of expected it to do a little better. Ya Jung Yoon wouldn't have surprised me, but I wasn't thinking she was going to win. Yeah. I thought Minari might win Best Ensemble. I thought it might win Best Picture if you go back and listen to our preview episode, just right. strictly because critics, especially, have been so high on this movie all throughout award season, and it's maintained its hype and it's maintained its positivity in the critic circles. I. I, I don't. It feels like, mm-hmm. even though it won't be eligible for Best International Feature at the Oscars, the precursor awards are saying we're going to give Minari its Best International Film. It's going to be put in that box, and that'll be Minari's award. And for I feel like precursors. that's going to hurt its Oscars chances. Because it's coming from it's coming from the outside lane, so to speak, to put track terminology on it. It's coming well, it's from... Not, it's not doing well in any of these other categories. It's not doing any well. Yeah, it's not doing well because in it's the being boxed categories. into that one category. Is my point, and it's not able to record the momentum that it probably needs. Now we've seen Parasite just do it again, it can, and I don't mean to cut you off, but again, this is the point I, I'm going to keep making. That shows you the strength of. I'm more impressed. I still have problems with Parasite, and I always will. But I'm more impressed with the fact that I I truly don't think Parasite went to preferential balloting last year, and that's how strong its case was. If you just look at Minari this year, which again is universally beloved, and yet is having such a difficult time gaining any traction in any one category, because we've seen Roma, kind mm-hmm. of have that same scenario at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm where it's not really coming in anywhere else. And then right. the noms come out for the Oscars, and we get multiple acting noms at the end of the day for Roma, and it's got a ton of noms overall, and now we're thinking it's strong again. So perhaps Minari could be surprising at the end of the day. Perhaps Alan Kim, I, I saw that happening today. There's some buzz in him, you know, uh, with him for supporting actor there. And it, it's kind of silly. If he's to nominated me, at the Oscars for supporting actor. I demand everybody stay off Twitter except for me that night. I think that's a fair ask. <laughs> Have the audacity <laughs> to make demands after you got mad at him for crying. It just, I just the, the levels to which you shall stoop. You're an evil stepmother. You just rewatched Cinderella. I did. I did. You're in an evil stepmother mode. Or I'll I don't you, know. And I'll tell you another thing. Blown. I think those sisters got a raw deal in that movie, Mike. <laughs> you scared me like you sh- <laughs> certainly shook me to the bone the last two days like i don't think you're in a good headspace normally but the fact that you texted me it's like i watched cinderella this morning i just pictured you with like one of those white tank tops on just like gravy stains on it with uh 
you know, just uh, on your you're laughing at kids crying on your laptop I've or whatever you, you do. Pictures of my dogs the last few weeks, and I've been wearing the exact same pair of pants in every picture. I uh, I noticed that, <laughs> and I texted you about it. Like I'm the, the quarantine is I'm starting. At. Yeah, quarantine is starting to to have its wear and tear on on at least one of the mics here at this point, Michael. Uh, let's get the hell out of this Minari segment. I and talk about a more uplifting it. movie, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. <laughs> so Ma Rainey goes three for eight, and it seems to have a couple categories where it's very strong in terms of resume. Chadwick Boseman, of course, first and foremost. Chadwick Boseman seems to be on a roll now with Best Actor. Do you think this is so- sewn up? I hope it is. I don't see any reason for anyone to go back and kind of retrofit this and turn it back into a conversation hopefully the critics choice slammed that door last night and chadwick boseman who should have always all along been the favorite in the best actor category not the supporting actor for his five bloods performance will win the lead actor oscar for his performance in ma rainey i agree i hope it happens at this point uh i I god bless his widow my lord to put put on a different outfit and get in front of a camera pretty much on a weekly basis and just go over the the best of your late husband's career who was taken from all of us, but obviously, especially her far too soon. My Lord, what a burden. And she's handled it all with grace and just astonishing strength. And I, I'm in awe of that one. I truly am. Yeah. The yeah. poise for her. I mean, she's not a natural performer. It's not her job. That's right. Not her, exactly. That's not her life's work. And for her to be handling this situation, the Oscar is going to be a tear fest. Absolute tear fest. Yeah. Uh, costumes, makeup and hair. I think uh, we had posu- we had posited that costumes was going to be a similar favorite as makeup and hair. We have seen costumes go a little wonky in the past, go with the favorite for a while and then wind up with phantom thread or whatever that was. Uh, makeup and I think that I'm mixing up two years now. Anyway, makeup and hair, we figured that was going to land uh, for the transformation of Ma Rainey. But yes, three out of eight total awards on the night. I was kind of hoping Best Ensemble would have a better chance. But mm-hmm. uh, look, I mean, Netflix is going to get its wins. It's got it's got a ton of nominations. I'm going to talk about it with Andrew uh, pretty soon on the Nomcast. But uh, yeah, Ma Rainey, looking strong, situated, PGA nom. Looks like an, a, a, a nom, a major nom getter, and now a contender. Several categories at the Oscars. Mike. Promising Young Woman was another intriguing conversation that we had in the last episode because we talked about how it was underrated, then it was overrated, then it was underrated, and everybody was losing their minds talking about how it was it was alive and well, and it was going to contend, and then it was dead, and yeah. it was only going to get screenplay, and now... It wins two Critics' Choice Awards. It wins two out of six. We talked about the four that it probably wasn't going to win, and we talked about its two chances on the night. Well, it won both of those. Carrie Mulligan and original screenplay for Emerald Fennell. Yeah, it overperforms with its nominations at the Golden Globes. It underperforms with its wins at the Golden Globes. Now it's overperformed again with wins at the Critics' Choice. So you're right, it is all over the place. It's Carrie Mulligan, I think, needed this win uh, to, to be a threat in the category. But I, I, I'm I'm really thrilled. I mean, I, I have my problems with that movie like I do most movies in the Best Picture category this year, but I think that's a sign of strength. Critics love Promising Young Woman. I don't think that's all that surprising. I, is it surprising that it won original screenplay too? I was a little surprised, I'll be honest, but I'm happy to see it. So 
I do think people disagree on some themes. I do think you disagreed on a lot of plot points. I think uh, I think you made some good points in our review of Promising Young Woman. I disagreed, but that's fine. I think I, I respect you. I respect a lot of people's opinions out there about it. What I do think people can recognize, and I, and I know you recognize it in our view, is the craft on display here. It's the screenwriting tricks in the story. It's, you know, it's the scaffolding uh, that you that you can see in how well composed a, a film mm-hmm. this is for a debut. And it just felt like it felt like a beat for beat. It felt like something that would do well, at least in terms of nominations to me. Uh, because of of how well it was made so i would be surprised at the end of the day if this did fall off the fact that it's going through these vacillating you know peaks and valleys i wonder i wonder if that's you know i wonder if that if that's speaking to its contending prowess the fact that maybe maybe its best day at the academy awards is a lot of nominations and one or two wins but not you know it's it's not gonna win it's not gonna have a big night at the oscars but you could say that about a lot of movies this year, though, and that's what I was I was going to bring that point up is that it feels like we're going to be as far as the Oscars go. And I know, you know, for as much as we said, we didn't want to prognosticate about the Oscars on the heels of the Critics' Choice. That's all we're doing. But it feels like we could have a lot of like six to double digit nominations, but only one or two wins, if that many films. This well, year's that would Oscars. be the Oscar puzzle theory playing itself yeah. out. That's something we came up with from the first month that we started doing yeah. this thing. And it's it's the spread the love theory. It's that simple. I mean, people fitting the pieces to the puzzle to give more worthy winners their their awards. I mean, we, we get that. And Emerald Fennell is the writer, the director. She's a producer on it. I, she's crushing it. Uh I, I, I just thought she's deserving of a win. The fact that you want to credit her in screenplay, I'm totally on that train I, I think it's worthy but all right promising young woman back in the conversation it's in it to win it like we said but polarizing i i would say at least in terms of film twitter right now we'll just put it in that yeah you know we'll put it in that respect because i don't know if it's necessarily as polarizing in the industry itself we'll we'll, t- we'll talk about it michael like we said before, Amazon Prime doing a, a great job right now with its two main contenders. One night, Miami is showing up everywhere. It shows up here in the PGA. It was something that we thought was being taken for granted, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, this far in the in award season, especially coming off of its loss uh, to the Life Ahead's original song, Diane Warren, IOC. Now we have. Which we've been mispronouncing song. the entire time, by the way. I realized I it was that an last L. night. Yeah. I thought it was an L. Yeah. I it was That's on C. us. It's my fault, and it's uh, I'm Italian, and I should have known. Anyway, one for six on the night, but it's a big win for Leslie Odom Jr. and Speak Now in song. I'm happy for One Night Miami. Happy Leslie Odom Jr. gets uh, an awards recognition for that and his work there. Uh, but I will be honest, the only thing I took away from this is that if Leslie Odom Jr. dresses himself, I need him as my personal stylist. Yes, yeah, he was you wish. best <laughs> the looking guy human being who's I in think the I've ever same seen. Pajamas, <laughs> the same plaid pajamas for a week. Did you just say and weeks? You, I think yeah, but yeah. Weeks? I mean, he looked so cool last night. That's all I could take away from that. When he was giving his acceptance speech, he should have won just based on that. He was awesome. <laughs> does look good the critics Uh, choice are odd mike aren't they like the critics choice decided most award shows you'll have presentations for best picture all throughout the night and the critics Mm -hmm. choice didn't mention best picture until it was time to give out the award and yet they spaced out the 
award the nominations for best original song all throughout the night with Lin-Manuel Miranda doing pre-recorded uh, presentations of each individual one. I thought that was, I didn't hate it. I thought it was a unique choice, but it's just certainly nothing I've ever seen before from an award show. Yeah, I thought it was slick, the editing for that. I, I thought the song sounded good. I mean, yeah. they, they played the chorus or they played some great moments from each and every one. I didn't find myself getting uh, getting another soda or something or whatever. I was No, I, I didn't drink beer. So I, was, I was thinking about it after... Uh, but, but, you know, af- after the first interview, I was thinking about it. Jillian Anderson's <laughs> short-circuiting. It's not her fault. But but once Daniel Kaluuya won, I was like, all right, maybe I should right. lay off Return the sauce. To yeah. I, anyway, Mike, Mank. Mank is the ninth PGA nom here. And it had a rough go at the Critics' Choice. Only one win out of 12. We kind of predicted this. Production design is its only win. Tenant wound up winning VFX. So did the Critics confuse the two i think so <laughs> i really do <laughs> um, but mank is chapter and verse what we were just talking about to me i fully expect mank to be like a you know eight oscar nom 12 oscar nom 10 oscar nom movie that may not win anything other than maybe production design and i think it's precursor resume is kind of bearing fruit with that the, the question becomes does it take a uh jack fincher original screenplay at some point and then you know does does it get some momentum i'm surprised nobody's latched onto that narrative 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 love has changed with these voting bodies man yeah it's cool i think it's cool and i i don't look at i'll be honest with you i you know i don't want to besmirch anybody's names but i i don't know i'm a besmircher on this show you come here multiple times a week to besmirch my name i do (laughs) i definitely do that's the (laughs) real reason i'm here but look i i think the screenplay had some rocky sections sure i mean whole sections never mind scenes sure and mank i think yeah, there's like a, i'm with you a long ass law on mank so i'm with it's, you it's just hard to get into the co- you know a composition award when you're bored for 35 minutes of that movie agree wholeheartedly six agree. times not like we didn't study it I say we when I mean me. Right, you. I watch it, I think, twice, but that's it's still, still eight times. You, know, you uh, rewatch it. You don't rewatch shit. You rewatched Mank, and you thought uh, it was boring twice. Yeah, and it's one of the most frustrating aspects. I, I wonder, I, I, feel, I do feel for Fincher because I still am of the belief that if David Fincher made a, oh my God, did you see David Fincher's movie type movie that he he's made. made Gone Girl, yeah. Right. If you made Gone Girl, if he, if he, even if he made Dragon Tattoo, right? Like, I think he, mm. he'd be doing much better for himself than this kind of more artsy leaning. And it's not his fault. I mean, the movie is a success for what it is. I don't know many directors that could have pulled off that screenplay, quite frankly, and made it right. as coherent as it still is and as entertaining as it still is. But that said, I feel like Mank's expectations... And you were the fir- one of the first people onto this. I will give you credit, but I feel like Mank's expectations, because of the source material, because of the narrative, because of Fincher being Fincher, maybe has betrayed its awards chances because of what the movie turned out to be. Well, a lot of people predicted against it today at the PGA Awards, especially some major pundits. So this was, again, I'm putting it in the ninth spot, not out of, I'm not, we're not power ranking these today, but kind of the ninth spot because it went 0 for 6 at the Golden Globes, right. 1 for 12 now at the Critics' Choice. And for all of its highs, and it's got some great scenes, like greatness, pure greatness, some of the best you know sequences we've seen all year, never mind scenes. Again, you know to talk about 
highs and lows of that movie really frustrating and i i think it's i think the biggest issue for for me right now is i don't want to rewatch it right like it, it like it I would figure, like, if, if it was an academic just obsession for people, like a lot of Fincher's films are, they're so rewatchable. Even this maybe... conversation, Mike, this feels like a eulogy for Mank more than anything. Right. It just doesn't have that same allure that I we figured it would at the beginning of this. Even, even when we reviewed it, I thought it would kind of, you know tempt people to rewatch it more but i i'm i don't know i, I guess i was wrong at the time i thought i would want to keep studying it throughout like, award season but i'm sick of it this, the subtext of this conversation to me feels like well this is the last time we're going to talk at length about this movie in award season so we might as well say what we have to say that's what it feels like to me right now and i, I maybe i'm wrong and it does you know gangbusters at the pgas and the, the baftas who knows but that's what it feels like to me it just feels like we're putting this movie to rest here well, it's got to do it at BAFTA, right? Yeah. It's really not. It's not going to. I mean, then again, no. I mean, Seafried's not in uh, Supporting Actress at SAG. So, yeah, it's got to It's got to do it at BAFTA. It's his last chance to get some precursor love. All right. Let's end this section on a high note because Judas and the Black Messiah did get a PGA nomination, Mike. Daniel Kaluuya did win a Critics' Choice Award, even though they lost original song and ensemble uh, last night. So, what do you think of Judas and the Black Messiah? It's momentum. Is it late breaking? I would love it to be. I, I'm thrilled, as, as disappointed as I am with Soul. The two movies I wanted to see, because I figured Ma Rainey's was a given, the two movies I wanted to see on the PGA Top Ten list was uh, Soul and Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't understand mm-hmm. why this doesn't have more momentum to be taken more seriously. I'm thrilled that Kaluuya seems to be a given, or at least has been in every award show we've covered thus far. Uh, I think that's the right pick. I wish it translated more in other categories. I would love to see this walk away with multiple Oscars. I really would. I think uh, I think it's building. I think it's late release. Has people getting around to it and respecting it a little more at the end? I, I wonder how much it got out there previously. But Warner Brothers knows what they're doing at this stage. So maybe maybe when people were in the thick of the issues with Warner Brothers, maybe there were not going to go for it at the time and maybe they were down on warner brothers and maybe that perception has changed now that hbo max seems to be out of the woods and doing really well and this is a movie that people can easily get behind in it's terms so of good and it's yeah, rewatchable too it's free watchability yeah. is very high all right so judas and the black messiah in that 10th spot let's talk about some snubs at the pga again by way of the critics choice tenant I, you know, I kind of texted you this morning. I wondered if the PGA would go to tenant. It was like in my 15th spot. It went one for five at the choice with that VFX win, Michael. Do you think tenant is is obviously in its place now? It's go, it's going for some craft awards from yeah. some tech awards. I mean, it feels like this the the yearly studio blockbuster that gets a nod somewhere in a, in a tech category. I mean, that's what it feels like. Like the Avengers or, or Star Wars, we've seen plenty of times. That's kind of what Tenet feels like to me. I was surprised you thought it had a chance at PGA, to be honest with you. Again, another movie with some high highs. So I was curious, but uh, yeah, maybe not. News of the World had a really bad night at the Critics' Choice, going 0 for 7, losing young actor slash actress with Helena Zangle losing. Well, we didn't think Tom Hanks or picture uh, or, you know, I don't know, maybe adapted screenplay. Again, I thought adapted screenplay was a little more open than it trans 
aspired to be. Cinematography, production, design, score. You wondered if the big Hollywood production values would come through uh, in the minds of the critics. But no, News of the World, 0 for 7. And I would say equally as upsetting for The Five Bloods, too. I kind of view those two movies as one and the same right now. Five Bloods itself went 0 for 6, even though it won a lot of super, uh, Troy Super Awards. But mm-hmm. it lost picture, director, ensemble, uh, Delroy Lindo for lead actor, Bozeman for supporting actor, and cinematography. I feel like those are the two, quote-unquote, best picture favorites, which I don't know if they're in the best picture conversation right now, even for the Oscars, uh, that have lost the most momentum that I would not... They would shock me least to see them kind of have a few, a handful of cursory award or nominations, I should say, if any. I, they they feel like they're really slipping with momentum. I know that's rhetorical to say, and there's no way to really quantify it outside of it's hard stats that these aren't winning, but only so many movies can win. But it just, I don't feel like anybody's talking about either one of those movies as a as a cultural piece right now. Well, it supports the argument that this is probably going to be an eight or nine best picture mm-hmm. field at the Oscars because we have a lot of films with beefed up resumes or with spotty resumes. I guess I half beefed. Did I half beefed? That was my nickname in high school. (laughs) (laughs) The five bloods news of the world. They have a lot on the resume, Mike. We've gone over it in the past. They don't have everything. The father has a lot on its resume. It had the globe, four globe noms last week. And we thought the father was going to be kind of a a critical favorite, perhaps a Phantom Thread, even though Phantom Thread didn't play at every, you know, film festival in the world that that entire season like the father did necessarily. But we have uh, these movies with a lot on their resumes. They are snubs at the PGA. And again, 90% 90% crossover from the PGA with more nominations. So any of these movies, they got to thread the needle at this point. Yeah, it's they're they're facing a tall mountain. I agree. The odds are certainly stacked against them. But as you're listening to this uh, on, on maybe the 8th, if I get this out quickly enough with the editing, but more likely on the 9th, on the heels of BAFTA nominations being announced, this could all be up in upheaval right now. Uh, maybe the, the BAFTA's voting body smiles on the father more so than even the critics' choice uh voting body did for nomination so who knows it's possible emma 0 for 3 at the uh, critics choice the life ahead a surprising 0, 0 for 3 according to some midnight sky never really sometimes always uh the united states versus billy holiday again big win for carrie mulligan over andre day we thought maybe a first cow or never really sometimes always would be that critical tr- pick that translates but this happens every single year mike the critics the CCA, the Critics' Choice Association, is very different than all of these other critics' associations that 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 you know mm-hmm. populate the critics' scoreboard that we talk about. So, very different scenario. And now we have to finish up the show. Fuck, but a very different scenario. And now we have these kind of more centrist picks, I would say, by the CCA at the end of the day. Even though, you know, in, in, in the overall. Something like Nomadland is not a centrist pick. In the, in the overall, something like Nomadland is fairly niche. Well, in the history, yeah, right. in the history, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. But, and that's maybe a credit to Chloe Zhao. The way it's presented, it feels like a safer pick uh, of a lot of the options in this film year. But It's been uh, a lonely year for a lot of lonely people. And true. there's a movie about loneliness. 
right? Yeah, absolutely. And First Cow also was my nickname in high school. We could finish up with the PGA <laughs> Award nominations for Best Documentary Feature. Those are out as well. David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet, Dick Johnson is Dead, My Octopus Teacher, Sophie, A Thousand Cuts Time, and The Truffle Hunters. Anything stick out as being a snub there, Michael? I think it's softy, but that's all right. You can't mm-hmm. read good. No, I, I can't. can't. My eyes are shot, man. Dick Johnson is Dead probably I wins this. I just totally didn't see that T. I'm amazed at myself right now. Yeah, no, it's softy. <laughs> Look, three out of ten crossover is terrible from Mm -hmm. the PGA Award nominations. Dick Johnson is dead is probably our favorite in the category if it's not Crip Camp. And Dick Johnson dead probably wins this. And then... Which is the kiss of death. (laughs) Yeah, that's the kiss of death. I mean, I don't even want to wish this... All right, look, Softy, I'm rooting for Softy to win this. Me too, now. I've seen like 80 documentaries this year, maybe 90. You really have done your work on that category. And Softy, this is the first time I've heard of that film. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited because lo- I hope it's about soft serve ice cream. But it's probably about something really <laughs> terrible and soul crushing that I don't want to Amazingly, I was going to make a soft serve ice cream joke, but now I can't because you already <laughs> took it. That's the wavelength we're operating on today, but we could wrap up guys. As always, what's most important to us are your thoughts. Uh, how did you do predicting the critics choice? If you did so, were there any surprises or snubs for those or the PGA nominations? And as well, are you looking forward to bath the noms? Let us know all of that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO empire. You can leave us all of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at Gmail. Com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, if you would tap on our cartoon faces and leave us a five-star review, it would take about 10 seconds out of your day and make our entire one. Michael, what are some words of wisdom other than don't mock children? And what's coming <laughs> next for Mike, Mike, and Oscar? Well, I'll cover both kind of in one. What's coming next for me is I got a recording with Andrew Morgan of yeah. the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. We are doing a Netflix year in preview slash State of the Union episode. We're going to talk about all of the Netflix movies, Oscar chances, how many nominations it might get on the night. We're going to talk about you know what we previewed at the beginning of the year and how it's come to fruition or not because Netflix is – you know, has they had a slate and, you know, they bought a lot more and what might they buy this coming year? We got a lot of stuff to preview and review concerning Netflix. So words of wisdom, listen to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. He's doing some great work over there. So that'll be out Wednesday, I believe, for you guys, I'm thinking. So that this next episode may also be out Wednesday-ish, and that's our BAFTA DGA nomination reaction show. Look, I, Mike, we, we thought about combining all four of these major awards into two into one show, but I'm so glad we didn't. We we need the space. And maybe it didn't. Maybe it hurt with the shelf life or whatever. But we we need the space. We need to build up to it in the proper way. And of course, what we're building up to is the Oscar nominations, and we're going to have a prediction special for you guys for your weekend. And then, of course, we're going to react to the Oscar nominations next Monday, the 15th. Mm. And uh, that's going to be another big show and another big moment for our crazy, weird, great and terrible year that we've had (laughs) behind these microphones. And besides, if we didn't do this episode, I may not have been able to relentlessly chide a defenseless eight-year-old who cannot speak up for himself. So that's good. You're the only (laughs) one 
I've noticed anywhere, anywhere. No, I, obviously, Alan Kim, great, great performance. You love the performance. You, we talked about his performance in Minari when we reviewed it. And now he's I'm my enemy to forever. You now, I am such an enabler. <laughs> How can I? Oh my God! No, you're just you're an evil. You're an evil bastard. Yeah, let me just backtrack back right back again. And turn on you. Yeah. Anastasia and Drizella Tremaine, daughters of Lady Tremaine. Guys, when reality sucks, how's that for a deep cut? You can come watch these award shows and nominations with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you next time. That was a Cinderella quote. <laughs> Thank you. Is, that, is that what it is? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Want to wrap the ball? Yeah, you got it. See you guys. <laughs>